Vibe Machine Hi, I'm Josh Kiff and this is Undercovers, the podcast series behind album art. And this, this is the third and final instalment in our Hella Mega Tour Undercovers special. Part one saw us talking to album designers behind Green Day's most iconic records. I'm talking Chris Bilheimer, who looked after Nimrod, Warning, American Idiot, and 21st Century Breakdown. We want to talk to Mr. Frank Maddox, who handled the duties on Revolution Radio, and his colleague Donnie Phillips, who looked after God's favourite band. For all of those great stories and more, I urge you all to go and check out the Hella Mega Tour Green Day episode of Undercovers. And episode two saw us break down Fallout Boy's album artwork and talk with the designer behind American Beauty, American Psycho, Save Rock and Roll, and Patrick Stump's Soul Punk as well. I'm talking about Mr. Todd Russell. And now, episode three, my favourite of the series because, well, I'm a Weezer fanatic. And over two seasons of Undercovers, season one is live right now and season two is only weeks away, I've been lucky enough to talk with the artists behind five of their albums, Blue, green, red, black, and everything will be alright in the end. You can check out each of those artist episodes on Undercover to hear more, but right now, we're going to take you through all of those albums. Before we get started, make sure you drop us a rating and review on whatever podcast system you are using. Now let's get this underway with Mr. Michael Gollop, who worked on the now legendary Blue album. We pick up the conversation explaining the original inspiration for the cover image. Vibe Machine. The cover kind of was Weezer's idea. They had a picture of uh, the Beach Boys all dressed in striped shirts um, against a plain background, equally spread out. Um, mm. And Rivers said he wanted to do something like that. And uh, they had a friend, Carl, who had done some graphic yes. design stuff too. Um, who Carl Kosh? Yeah, exactly. And he's credited as a design consultant. And he was basically kind of overseeing the Weezer's person, but they, the label wanted me to make sure they didn't do anything wild or anything. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, that they didn't do anything too amateurish either. You know, they want right. to make sure it was professional. And, uh, but the thing that was, was, was great is that, um, Rivers, a lot of people, you know, so as this is Beach Boys is the original um, note. A lot of people I've talked to since think that it's referencing or a version of the Feelies record cover that I wasn't even aware of, you know, until yes. later. And um, it's just kind of funny because Rivers at that time, too, there was a, a guy named Michael Levine who was shooting a lot of alternative rock stuff. He was using yep. this cross process. Um, technique like Sonic Youth and Mud Honey and and River said heard, whatever we heard do his name a I few don't, times I don't want to do Michael Levine I don't want to do cross process and I had this book by a guy named Peter Galland who had written um, Galland's Guide to Photography Glamour Photography and How to Photograph Women he had done a lot of calendars he's somebody that I introduced Rob to as well and he bought the the image for the swinging sounds, uh, sexy swinging Why? sounds, a girl in the hammock is a Peter Gallon shot that he just bought the rights to. But I used to have these books in my office and I exposed them to, uh, to Peter Gallon from 
Weezer. And, and I basically told Weezer or Rivers, there's this guy, he, he's famous for creating a gallon flex um, roll fed four by five. He's super technical. It was kind of like having your grandpa shoot him. And uh, <laughs> he, he lived out in Pacific Palisades and he is about 80 years old and we did the shoot in their living room and uh, it was together. We also did wanted to do like a Sears, a Sears photos kind of thing where we shot with a trellis and some artificial Ivy vines and a trellis to give that kind of fake uh, family photo look. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and Peter Gallen shot that as well. And, 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 and rivers just wanted uh, no style at all, you know, and um, and that's what we did. You know, we, we they showed up there. We uh, sh- we shot it. Uh, I never knew who would be famous or not. Peter Peter was just like, "Are these guys going to be the next Beatles?" I was like, "Well, we hope." You know, and <laughs> and and uh, they ended up. Uh, you know, they had a great. They had some really hooky songs, and I think that mm. that music video Spike Jones did for Buddy Holly. Oh, yeah. It just it just broke. I mean, it was the same thing back when MTV. That was the thing about White Zombie too. I was thinking their A and R. They didn't have a manager. They had no A and R because Michael Lago's contract wasn't renewed. And I thought that they were going to go into obscurity, but they got Andy um, Gould to manage them at the last minute. They got put on tour. They ended up getting the Beavis and Butthead exposure, and they just broke like crazy. And oh, yeah. got super popular. Weezer, being on the Windows thing. 95, being on the Windows 95 CD wouldn't have hurt either. That's the uh, the minute I yeah. popped that in. That's the first thing that came up. So you knew there were 200 million people watching that at any one time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so uh, so so uh, back to Rivers and uh, Weezer. They um, we yeah we we uh, the only thing you know we that was one single shot. Um, we we deliberated over the the blue exact blue color. Uh, um, Matt Sharp had his head changed. We had it done yep. with traditional um, stripping, and um, that was the only real change to that shot besides some retouching and uh, hit things here and there. But uh, um, that wasn't done with Photoshop. It was done with side teching, and um, the printers actually did a lot of that uh, retouching. Wow. Um, and uh and yeah it was uh it was uh it was a great project to work on and uh i had my friend peter orth go over and shoot the inside black and white shop where they were had an apartment over on i think it was bundy or barrington yep. where they had a re- rehearsal studio uh, uh and they had the judas priest poster and um they they um and so my friend peter um a photographer of mine who's now a location scout went over and shot it and he got along well with the guys too. And it was, uh, it was, it was my, uh, two Peter photography job, <laughs> uh, Peter Gallen and, and Peter Orth. But, uh, and, uh, they, they, they were, they were great. They were great to work with. We, we did deliberate over, uh, a, a blue label or a, a, a complimentary kind of rust cover colored uh, label right. on the disc, but we ended up going with uh, the straight blue and blue throughout. So very simple. And, yeah. and, and there you have it. The blue album shot in the lounge room of an 80 year old photographer's house and Matt Sharp's head edited and replaced. 
I love that record and that cover. And now onto the Green Album, the second in our series, the second produced by Rika Kasek, who tragically died the day that I recorded this episode. He also produced Everything Will Be Alright in the End, which we'll touch on shortly. And this time it fell to the iconic Chris Bilheimer to put the artwork together for this Green record. I had assumed the connection to Weezer came from R.E.M., who Chris is renowned for working with on the majority of their records. Uh, no, that was actually Green Day. They had the same manager. Um, what? And so uh, their manager is a guy named Pat Magnarella, who's mm. uh, one of the best people in the music industry. Uh, so he's lucky not, to have worked with him. Uh, no. He's not their manager anymore. Um, no. He's not, uh, nor, nor Weezer's. Um, yes. So Pat, Pat brought me in. And so I had a conversation with Rivers. And uh, I, I'm going to sort of truncate what happened. So right. they did the photo shoot and they sent me the photos. And they were shot on a white background. And so uh, I just tried doing a whole bunch of different type treatments and everything, trying to make them, you know, this sort of interesting photo. Because you could argue that a band in front of a white background is as boring as an album could get. Um hmm. So I, I tried all these different things, and then I just did one where I made the background green. And I thought to myself, that looks too much like the first album. Mm. So I sent them in, and River says, I like this one that's green. And so I said, well, do you think that that looks too much like the first album? And he goes, well, we've been gone for a long time. Pinkerton didn't do very well. To me, this is kind of like calling back to that first album, like, hey, we're back. The Weezer, right. the Weezer that you liked is back. And I was like, okay, I, you know, like I get that. That makes sense. That's a, that's a, that's a totally good, solid, mm. you know, reason, reason to do the album that way. He's like, so mm. let's put the original logo on there and put the green backdrop. I'm like, okay, that's, you know, going to look like the first album. That's fine. Mm. So then uh, at the time, one of the, things that you had to do for major label albums, the first thing you actually had to turn in was all the magazines for radio stations back when right. there was, there was all of these industry magazines um, mm. that like, there was like pulse and um, Oh God, I can't even remember the name of all of them, but yeah, you would have what, to design like the prelude to what's coming. Right. Exactly. And so you would design all these ads that say the new Weezer album coming out in September. Yeah. Uh, and they were kind of throwaway ads. Only, you know, industry people saw them. A lot of times they would just have an intern, you know, do them. Hmm. So it was kind of a, it's like you don't spend a whole lot of time on them. You just get them done, get them out early. And so I was talking to Rivers. He says, I like this green one. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to turn those in for the pre-release ads. And he goes, okay, mm. but how are you going to make, he's like, all those magazines are rectangles, right? How are you going to make this square a rectangle? And I thought that was an odd question. And so I said, <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just going to put more green on the top and the bottom. And that's, that'll make it into a rectangle. And he goes, well, don't you think those are going to look like the ads from the first album? And I did not know how to respond to that. 
I was. <laughs> you I should was have said, abs- "Well, you know, you've been gone for a long time." People <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and that's, uh, I mean, honestly, that's essentially what I said. I was like, well, I think, you know, it will, it'll have the same effect that it has on the album, what you were saying earlier. And he's like, okay, okay, let's do that. Um, <laughs> You've got to love a story like that. And what I remember most about that Green Day album, apart from the album cover, was the length of the album. 10 songs, 28 minutes. Brilliant. All right, if you've spoken about the Blue album and the Green album, you've got to tackle the Red album. And for this one, the band headed to Robert Fisher, the iconic designer for Nevermind, amongst other things. Really fitting that Robert did this cover, considering the record features heart songs, with the line about listening to Nirvana for the first time and discussing the cover that had a baby on it. I asked Robert if he had always planned the album to be read. No, that we we went through a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of different concepts and ideas and I think that as a band, they were kind of having trouble all agreeing on one direction. Mm. So it kind of just ended up being the Red Album <laughs> after <laughs> a couple of months. Awesome. And, and what, what would... What, so no, we... we sorry. I was going to say, what, what would they like to work with? Uh, Oh, they were, they were fun. They were, they were, they were good. I mean, we, we went down and shot them at the beach. I think it was kind of winter time and they were, you know, jumping in the water. I, I have a couple, like, I think on my Instagram, I put a couple alternative covers where they're like splashing around in the water. It was going to be called the pure sounds of Weezer first. Right. And, uh, no, I think we, I think we did about three days of shooting them. Um, like at River's house and then like down at the beach, they were riding mopeds through the canyons. And then we, then we did a studio shoot and stuff. So they were, they were fun to work with, you know, they always, always up for it. <laughs> and after my chat with Robert, we both realized we didn't mention River's Home Alone series, which he had also done the artwork for. I urge you to check out all of those out. There's three in that series. And speaking of fun, the band went on a completely different feel for 2014's Everything Will Be Alright in the End. They utilised art by Mr Chris McMahon, who takes three-shot paintings. You know, the paintings you see with a lake and some trees. And he paints in monsters and weird creatures into the scenery. I asked Chris if it was Reddit.com or some other site that had posted his paintings that got Rivers' interest. What Rivers does is he he basically takes all the the media that people throw at him like his friends and whatnot who send him pictures and images and whatnot and uh, any that he likes he'll just save it and put it in a folder and those are potential i guess album covers wow um, so mine at some point was directly sent to him and uh he liked it and so made it his goal to get a hold of me he couldn't contact me at, at, at the time that i had put the the pictures up and whatnot I'd also been, uh, they kind of, I've been grouped in with another artist named Thirza Seagal, who does similar stuff to I do. You know, she does a lot of sculpture and whatnot, but she also does the whole painting weird stuff in landscape paintings. <laughs> um, so her and maybe a couple of the random people that I hadn't heard of were kind of showcased a little, but, um, so they didn't have my contact information. They had, but they had hers. So, uh, they got a hold of her through email. And uh, she eventually found my uh, phone number, and I get this call. And I'm sitting in a, a barber shop getting my hair cut at the time, and this call you know comes in, or, or no, it's uh, email rather. Uh, she emails me, and I, I check it, and then it says, "Oh, by the way, 
Um, Weezer's looking for you, and they want to use your <laughs> chart as their album cover. So I immediately went into kind of a stupor. I almost I started getting up to just wander out with half my haircut. Um, <laughs> but yeah, from then uh, I immediately immediately got a hold of uh, Dan, who's their um, manager out in LA, and he was mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, Rivers got a hold of this image." He, Really, he's really all about using it for the album cover. Is that cool? And I'm like, um, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've been a fan of Weezer since you know college and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, so from there, the uh, he basically said, you know, oh, he's you know really into it. It's not a sure thing, you know. It's things come up in this industry mm-hmm. and everything, and so I got a lot of those. Um, conversations throughout the next maybe three or four months of, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, we're still planning on it. You know, Rivers is really all about it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, eventually it was a super long process, a long, longer process than I thought it would be. And I, for one, am glad Chris stuck that process out as the artwork is perfect and Chris is an absolute legend. I sent him over a copy of my vinyl when the album first came out. And not only did he sign it for me, he sent me back a full-length poster of the original art signed by himself and the band, items I treasure to this day. And then we fast forward to March of 2019 and the Black Album, and the artist behind this artwork is Brandon Reich. Now, you may know Brandon as the creative genius behind 21 Pilots album designs. And for this album, we begin by joking about just how black he could possibly make the artwork. Yeah. <laughs> An extra How can I get it more layer. black? Very spinal yeah, tap, very... How can I get this as black <laughs> as I can possibly get it? I've got spinal yeah, tap and Metallica written down here. <laughs> but yeah. my, my, my point, <laughs> and I'm sure it's where, where you went initially, was with Metallica, and I've spoken to the artist who did, Roger Gorman, who did Metallica's Black Album. And mm-hmm. on his episode of the podcast, he talks about when the band came and said, we want the Black Album, he, he doubled down and he went, you know what, we're going to get the Metallica logo and we're going to paint it black. And he, they kept coming back with shades black and the band would go, no, blacker, 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 till it was almost indecipher, indecipherable. And my question is, is that an approach that you looked at with Weezer where you went, you know what, we're going to double down on, if, you, if this is the black album, this is what it's about. It's all about the black. Definitely. I mean, it was, there's criteria <laughs> for the color albums, you know, like Weezer Blue yeah. was a life-changing album for me too. You know what I mean? Yes. Like that was, yes. we dress, we dress like the dudes on the cover that when we first started a band, we just, we went to the thrift store, wore the same stuff that they wore on the cover of Weezer Blue. So, yep. I mean, it, again, it's another full circle moment of, holy crap, you actually get to design a cover for Weezer. But mm. the criteria for a color album, number one, it was the much anticipated black album. So we knew it had to be awesome. <laughs> we knew we couldn't like, we couldn't really do the, the same criteria, but the criteria was the band names on the cover and the band is on, on the cover. And there is a prominent mm. color on the cover. Right. Mm. So with those things, I'm yep. like, well, if we put those dudes on the cover, it's only going to break up how black the cover is. So let's just pour black goo all over the band. Do you think they'd be into that? <laughs> and that was, that was the conversation between me and Joel and our art director, Nate. And we're all in the conversation. And like, when I said that, they were like, it's exactly what I was thinking. So all three of us were awesome. basically like, we got to cover them in black goo. There's really no other way to do this. 
So um, of all bands, of all bands to have that idea for, it's Weezer and Weezer are down for anything. I remember their manager was telling us one time they were at a festival or something and then Rivers turned to him and said, uh, hey, I think I'm going to wear an Elvis costume for this one. They're like, okay, cool. So it was this idea that these guys will do anything. And um, asking to cover in Black Goo may have been like a weird request for other bands. They're like, yeah, that's fine. Let's do that. That's great. So, um, <laughs> but in the meantime, in the meantime, we had to hustle and get other stuff done. So we had to get a single cover made for Can't Knock the Hustle. Um, yes. So what I actually did, and I live in Columbus, Ohio, and, and Joel, my business partner, lives in Tampa, Florida. So we, and then of course, everybody is in New York and LA. All the bands are in New York and LA. So we just fly to New York yep. and LA as much as we can. So um, essentially, I was like, okay, we're not, we need a single cover. I don't want to stray from the, from the brand for, that we've already come up with that much. We haven't actually got to cover the band in Black Goo yet, but I really just want to use their W Weezer logo mm. and cover it in Black Goo. So right away, I went to my friend Chris Sully, who's a woodworker here in Columbus, and he cut out the W for me. And um, I had... And I had my neighbor, Allie, come over and help me hold up things. Well, actually, I had her take pictures of me pouring black paint all over this W. And I'm like, just get every angle you possibly can, because obviously I can only do this once. And we were out there yep. for like an hour and a half in my driveway pouring black paint all over this W and getting every angle we could of it. So it's of awesome. those things, um, one became one angle became the cover, the single cover of Can't Knock the Hustle. Um, one, we hung it with strings. This was all within the same hour of doing this. And that became the um, tour poster for their tour with the Pixies. So there's a mm. W hanging there for that cover. And then the back cover of the album is the yes. straight on shot of this W. And so that's the W. So again, it's this idea that we just, our building toolboxes. We got, you know, 500, whatever photos out of that hour. And we had all this stuff to work with later. So we had all these textures of this black goo and all this stuff. So we, we, we had already defined it so much that by the time we actually got to LA to shoot the band, um, it was very clear, like, yeah, there's really only one way this is going to go. And man, they can't, you know, it was so funny. What was so funny about that shoot is I mean, it was pretty amazing to just like, you know, I saw Pat, Pat came in first and I'm like, I think I enter in this other role. Like I'm just a creative director. I'm not a, you know, I don't feel like I'm yeah. a fan of the band, but the truth is, man, like this is life changing that I'm able to even be in the same yeah, yeah. music. Like, and I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. forget that stuff. Like I, I love this. <laughs> so Joel, Joel and I are there in LA. We're about to do this shoot and, um, income all of Weezer and all that stuff. And then like I first meet Rivers and I'm talking to him about some of the clothes that we're going to wear. I'm working with the stylist and it didn't occur to me. Like I was doing all this work with the stylist to get these four separate looks on all four of the guys, very like just getting them perfect and making sure that hmm. Rivers had pattern on his shirt. And then Scott had solids hmm. on his shirt. And then, and then Pat had stripes and then Brian had his jacket, all of these things and making sure the shoes are right, all this stuff. Perfect. But then we're going to pour black paint all over them. So who cares what in the world they're wearing, right? So it was just this funny thing of like, and I feel like it was a week later where like I talked to Joel and we're like, whatever happened to the clothes? Like, and was the stylist super mad? 
And I'm going to stop the chat right there because there is an even more fascinating story that I thought I'd leave out of this and keep you all hanging on for season two of Undercovers. Brandon is the first artist in that series, so you won't have to wait too long to be able to head over and check it out. And trust me, it's a story you'll want to hear. And that wraps up our Weezer episode for the Hella Mega Tour series. Now you know how many of the band's iconic albums came together, and with Green Day and Fallout Boy episodes, you are fully equipped to handle whatever era music each track is from when it's played live on the tour. Please subscribe to Undercovers. We'll be bringing you a lot more incredible artwork stories, and thank you for checking this series out. Vibe. Machine.